0: Late Night Council is a production of Council Communications.
1: This is Late Night Council.
2: This is bigger. This is very big. There's definitely something here.
3: Apparently, it's a big deal. It's all over the news. It's a real thing. A radio signal from another world.
2: John Council. That's
3: my grandpa. Well, your story is very compelling. Your chance
4: to my history. That's pretty cool, I guess.
3: Give it to
1: me straight. John, you're in charge. Here we are. We're doing it again. We're doing it again. I'm back at you. I told you last week we'd be back. Here we are. Open line, open topic all the way to 11 o'clock. Whatever you want to talk about, it's Late Night Council. 343 4390 is the capital region number. That's good for Ottawa, Gatineau, and all points in between and kind of close, too. If you're in the 613 or 343 area code, three four three seven hundred forty three ninety, that's your number right there. Okay? If you're calling from a faraway exotic place or, you know, maybe a really faraway but, you know, really boring place, I don't know, like... Community Punch Bowl, Alberta, or if you're calling from Yellville, Arkansas, or Mount Misery, New Jersey, or Pippa Passes, Kentucky, one 562 4766 that's your number, one 562 4766 You can email me, jc at latenightcouncil.com, keep it under six lines, good chance it'll get on the air if it's coherent. And if I think, you know, that that could probably add to the bottom line of the show, give it a whirl. JC at LateNightCouncil.com. You can tweet at me at JWCouncil, okay? Yeah, I mean, for those of you that are not on Twitter, you really should get on. It's, it's really fun. I mean, I, I find it to be the most reliable and the quickest and the most unfiltered news source out there, okay? everybody's on there. And a lot of nobodies that you don't want to follow are on there. But guess what? You don't have to follow them. You only follow people that you think, you know, I want to hear what this person has to say, okay? So go to Twitter.com and you type in JW Council. You'll find me, okay? And uh, if you want to make a comment or contribute to the show or ask a question, you could do it on Twitter. You could do it on email. You could do it on the phone numbers. Calls always take precedence on the show, okay? Because it is primarily a phone-in show. 343-700-4390 343-700-4390 in the Ottawa Capital Region. 343-700-4390. 562 4766 is long distance. That's 1-844-562-4766. And uh, hopefully we'll get to everything that I want to talk about tonight. We will not get talking about what you want to talk about unless you call in, okay? Because you know, chances are, like I, I'm, you know, I'm not abreast on everything that's going on in the world. I probably have an opinion on everything that's going on in the world. And, uh, but you know, if you, you want to talk about it, and and I get emails. Why don't you say something about this. Why don't you talk about this? Look, I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about. Okay, that's what I prep for the show. The things I feel most passionate about. The things that I feel are the most important and the most urgent. Okay. And since we've switched to Sunday nights exclusively, it's an Ask the Pastor format, and I do my best to stick to that. Sometimes there's things that happen in the news that, you know, and I don't mind people sharing opinions, but my approach is always going to be from that Ask the Pastor uh, perspective. I try to give you the biblical perspective on things, the faith perspective on things, what I think is the important perspective on it, the eternal perspective, you can agree or disagree you can come at me from whatever angle you want you know that's what makes for good talk radio as far as i'm concerned but uh you know i'm not just going uh, to talk about things you want me to talk about let you call in and that's the best way to have at her I, I find that more entertaining and more stimulating and more informative than anything when we have dialogue on things okay 34374390 in the capital region that's 34374390 one eight four four five six two four seven six six is long distance. That's one eight four four five six two four seven six six. Um, of course, in the news dominating this week was uh, the whole uh, tragedy in in Manchester, and uh, and I tweeted earlier, you know, because I mean uh, I'm a huge hockey fan, NHL fan, Ottawa Senators fan, and uh, uh, they were one goal away from. Making it to the Stanley Cup final, they lost. But before that game took place, the last game, the Manchester bombing took place, and I, for the life of me, I didn't want to think about hockey or anything. I just, just walking around in a daze, and just, uh, and, and you know, I, I'm just. What makes it worse is how our mainstream media and and our culture is handling this. You know, we have people that are committed to killing us. They want us dead. And the people that we've invested, the people we've vested our security in, uh, you know, to protect us, you know, they they're they not even acknowledging the threat. And there's all sorts of writers. There's all sorts of pundits and everybody that, you know, is making comments on this. Mainstream media, I don't even hardly pay attention to unless I find out, you know, one out of every maybe uh, uh, 100 stories strikes me as, whoa, hey, that's, that's worth listening to. Like uh, the, the comment page in the Ottawa Sun today I thought was pretty good. And I may get a little bit to it. But uh, one guy I probably quote as much as anybody on uh, this new uh, and improved version of uh, uh, Late Night Council is uh, uh, Dr. Michael Brown, who I have heard speak, and I have a number of his books, and uh, he's not perfect. He's not always 100% accurate, but I find, uh, particularly on, on, uh, um, you know... uh, uh, Aspects of our culture and, and and trying to, you know, make some moral sense out of uh, this insane world we're living in. I think he's pretty good. And uh, he had a, a piece at uh, Christian Post this week. In fact, this one was published yesterday. In the aftermath of the horrific suicide bombing, the mayor of Greater Manchester, Andy Burnham, Okay, this is like, I guess, the regional guy. Okay, there's a mayor of the city proper, and this is the larger area. Andy Burnham wanted to make one thing perfectly clear. The man who blew himself up was a terrorist, not a Muslim. He actually said that. He's a terrorist, but he's not a Muslim. And, and this lie is the mantra of Canadian media as well. Definitely from our, our, our federal and, and, and provincial leaders. I mean, they're espousing the same type of, you know, Values. Now, if you don't know who Michael Brown is, Michael Brown holds a Ph.D. in Near Eastern Languages and Literatures from New York University and has served as a professor at a number of seminaries. He is the author of 25 books and hosts a nationally syndicated, syndicated daily talk show, The Line of Fire. He's easy to find. Okay, this guy's easily accessible, and, and he's, you know, he's, he's quite accountable. And he did an op-ed piece on this: the suicide bomber was a terrorist because of his Muslim faith. Until you acknowledge that, and until the people of your community acknowledge that, you will not be able to combat the terror. I imagine that most of the Muslims in Manchester are aghast at this atrocity, and I imagine most of them look at this as a perversion of their faith. But many others do not. For them, this is what Islam does. It fights the unbelievers wherever it finds them, especially at a worldly concert attended by young people. They're infidels. Okay, That's what they call them. Okay. Now we hear time and time again this line, okay? True Muslims do not commit such acts. Don't we? You hear that all the time, right? In fact, if I start complaining, if I start giving a side of, you know, the Islamic faith that, "Hey, just a second here. There's a lot of stuff in the Quran that I have issues with." Okay? Whereas in the, in the Old Testament, and there's, you know, there's a lot of bloodshed and there's God ordering the Israeli people to do some real well, it is genocide, but those commands are never made. They're never, it's a, it's a historical record that's difficult to explain from a biblical perspective, but nowhere in the Bible does it tell its followers of God and the people who live today, the followers of Jesus Christ, and even followers of Judaism, that we're supposed to do that kind of stuff. The Quran comes right out and says it. And I could give you examples. If you want me to tonight, I will. More with Michael Brown stuff here. Okay in answer to, you know, and I've heard Justin Trudeau say this, I've heard Kathleen Wynne say this, I've heard all kinds of our federal leaders say, true Muslims do not commit such acts. Here's how Michael Brown responds. In that case, neither Osama bin Laden nor any members of al-Qaeda were or are true Muslims. And neither Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, the founder of ISIS, who holds a, who holds a PhD in Quranic studies, From Iraq's Saddam University for Islamic Studies, nor any members of ISIS are true Muslims. And no member of the Taliban or Hamas, which stands for the Islamic Resistance Movement, or Hezbollah, which is called the Party of Allah, or the Muslim Brotherhood are true Muslims. And it's just coincidence that during the month of Ramadan, Islamic terrorist attacks increased dramatically around the world. The bloodshed has already begun, with another 29 Coptic Christians, including children, slaughtered on the first day of Ramadan in Egypt. And it's just a coincidence that Abidi the alleged, allegedly memorized the Quran as a boy and would chant his Islamic prayers loudly in the street. That's the guy who blew up the kids and murdered the girls in the concert in, in Manchester. And it's just a coincidence that numerous texts of the Quran are interpreted by millions of Muslims as justification for terrorist acts. And it's just coincidence that these same texts have been used by Muslims for centuries as a theological basis for acts of violence. And it's just a coincidence that suicide bombings between rival Muslim groups take place on a regular basis in mosques and in markets and at funerals. And it's just coincidence that the terrorists responsible for 9-11... Fort Hood, the Boston Marathon bombing, San Bernardino, Orlando, Nice, France, Brussels, Belgium, London, England, Madrid, Spain, Beslan, Russia. The list is almost endless. We're all Muslims. Focusing on England, it's just a coincidence that the BBC reports that approximately 850 from the UK have traveled to support or fight for jihadist organizations in Syria and Iraq, say the British authorities. Need I say that all 850 you guessed it, are Muslim. I think you can see the point that he's making. okay? Pitifully, pitifully, many leaders in England want to disassociate the Manchester bombing from Islam. You know why? Because they are people that vote for them, allow them to. It's like their brains have disengaged. It's like they're not even thinking straight anymore. It seems that Poland, Poland is one of the only sane countries on this topic. In Poland, again, I'm quoting Michael Brown here. In Poland, Prime Minister Beata Sidgul had some very strong words to say in response to the Manchester bombing. Where are you headed, Europe? She asked. Rise from your knees, from your lethargy, or you will be crying over your children every day. I can't disagree with him. I mean, you could call in and comment and agree or disagree. He closes his article with this, tragically, while Islamic terrorists want to cut off our heads, leaders in the West are burying their heads in the sand. And so, while we must not blame all Muslims, God forbid that we do, we must blame some! That's fair, that makes sense, doesn't it? I mentioned a piece from a the Ottawa Sun today. In their editorial, it says, we must stop responding with platitudes such as Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's well-intentioned but puerile observation that the Manchester victims were far too young to die. Well, what age isn't too young to be murdered by terrorists then? See, there's no members of the media, you know, calling him on a cut. Hey, 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 just a second here. We're at war with a bastard. This, Again, I'm quoting the Sun. We're at war with a bastardized version of Islam with radical imams right here in North America. And they use this type of violence as a theological basis for justifying terrorism, and it's working. It's working. It is advancing their cause for global domination. Not all Muslims, but too many of them. Way too many of them. Michael Brown mes- mentioned the massacre in, uh, in Egypt our Ottawa sun described them as militants militants actually it's, the, it's a copy of the washington post the washington post refer you know refuses to refer to them as you know uh, islamic jihadists or islamic fascists they're militants 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 in military style uniforms open fire on a bus carrying coptic christians in central egypt friday killing at least 28 people in the latest bloodshed targeting the country's christian minority officials said militants you like that? They're islamo They're jihadists, okay? Egyptian grand mufti Shaki Alam, the country's top Islamic authority, condemned what he called the disgusting terrorist operation that was carried out by extremists against our Christian brethren. Thank you for the nice words. I mean, condemn all you want. Okay. Oh, our thoughts and prayers to the people of Manchester. You hear that all the time. I mean, there's a piece out on Twitter that I retweeted. If you follow me on Twitter, you need to pick it up and take a look at it. Okay. I just retweeted it by a guy by the name of uh, 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 Doug Murray. He's a BBC commentator. And uh, his exact quote, if I can pick it up here. Ah, my internet is Messing up and with you. His exact quote was, you know, uh, 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 dozens are slaughtered, okay? And the West, you know, says our thoughts and prayers are with them, and they, you know, they sing Imagine. John Lennon's, you know, atheistic, over—most probably the most overrated tunes that's ever been written. And they do nothing, nothing, nothing substantial to protect people. You had 22 little There's a little girl, the youngest was eight years old, you know, and this Islamic jihadist, okay, this Islamo-fascist targeted the most innocent people he could. Our thoughts and prayers are with him. You know what, our thoughts and and look at I'm a big, I'm, a, I'm all about, you know, praying. And you've heard that term, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? People think Jesus was a fascist. Hold on a second. Before you quote what would Jesus do, make sure you're talking about the biblical Jesus because Jesus is capable of picking up a whip and driving people out of his temple, especially hypocrites and con men that lie and deceive and rip people off because those are the people that he drove out of the temple. These people that espouse these, these pseudo-spiritual virtues, I don't know whether they even understand who the real biblical Jesus is. Because the suffering Savior rose from the dead. And the next time we see him, he will not be you know, this, this uh, itinerant teacher wandering around uh, Israel you, you know, uh, doing wonderful things. No, he, when he returns, he's coming to judge. Why do you think the Bible, including the New Testament, is filled with scriptures that say, you know, love God with all your heart, but hate what is evil? Followers of Christ are instructed to hate what is, not hate people, not hate the sinner, not hate the people, because they're victims of deception, they're victims of all sorts of things. But the evil that they commit, oh my goodness. The Bible's not afraid to label evil evil. Jesus wasn't either. Why are so many followers of Christ afraid to stand up against evil? 343 700 is the number in Ottawa. That's 343-700-4390. 562 4766 is the long-distance number. That's one 562 4766 I got a tune I want to play for you, you know? know, When we're done with the, like, the extra music here that you're hearing in the background. One of my favorite artists, he wrote such great lyrics. got a Keith Green tune to play for you. It's self-explanatory. I find his songs are more than just, you know, entertainment. They're like mini sermons. So you're going to get one from Keith Green. 343 743 in the Capital Region. 1-844-562-4766. i am going all the way to 11. Hopefully you can hang out with me. Stay with me. Jesus said when the devil speaks, he's, when he lies, he's uh, speaking his native language. He's described as the father of lies. One of my favorite sermons that I speak, because I get invited to speak a lot, you know, and uh, a sermon that I'll also almost, well, often speak when I'm outside of my own church is is called Believable Lies, because every lie that, that the devil promotes is believable, well, of course they'd be believable. He's the best liar there is. They all make sense. They're all believable. let we should talk about that tonight. Well, we'll see where your head's at and what you want to talk about. I've always got stuff to talk about, but I'm ready to go down the alleyway that you want to go down. Whatever you want to yak. I found that quote I was looking for from uh, Doug Murray from the BBC, and uh, I can't believe the BBC actually published this. I don't know if it was on their website, but... Uh, He's a commentator with the BBC, and his tweet is from Daily Sunday Politics. And here's the, here's the, here's the quote, and there's a there's a two-minute commentary on there. Maybe you go to uh, the Late Night Council Facebook page, or if you go to my Twitter account at JW Council, you, you really need to see this. I don't have time to play it, but uh, I'll give you the short quote. The quote starts off with, We remain stuck in the John Lennon response to terrorism. They blow us up, we sing Imagine. Why am I going over the edge on this? Because there were innocent lives that were killed. Little girls, you know. That little eight-year-old girl, she's a year older than my grandson. You know, and I think Christ's words, better to have a millstone hung around your neck than causing one of these little ones who believes in me to sin. I would think murdering them is at least as bad as causing them to sin. I don't think I'm misinterpreting Scripture in any way. We remain stuck in the John Lennon response to terrorism. They blow us up, we sing Imagine. There's a lot of good that's doing. 343 4390 is the capital region number. 343 700 is the long-distance line. That's one 4766 More hyperbole. More, you know, stuff that masquerades as intellectual insight when all it is is just absurd garbage. I'm referring to *Handmaid's Tale*, Margaret Atwood's *Handmaid's Tale*, which is now, you know, a TV series. Oh, and mainstream media just eating this up. They just love this. Oh, it's timely. It's prophetic. It's a, you know, you know, it's a cautionary tale, especially in the age of Donald Trump. Oh, yes, we need this message now more than ever. Well, thankfully, the, you know, the show you're listening to has got, you know, some uh, connections with uh, some real media out there and some people that are, you know, actually putting out some good stuff. Johnny Jones Street is a columnist, and you can check out his stuff at breakpoint.org. And I, put, I think he put out some pretty good stuff. Essential viewing for our fractured sc- culture. That's what, you know, mainstream media is calling Handmaid's Tale essential viewing for our fractured culture listen what he says perhaps but definitely not in the way that critics suppose the context of atwood's dystopian novel is the theocratic successor to the united states called the republic of gilead gilead is a kind of evangelical saudi arabia where women are forbidden to read and select women the handmaids of the title are given as concubines to the high-ranking officials for purposes of breeding Now, when Atwood's novel was published three decades ago, its conjuring of a theocratic United States was, to put it charitably, overwrought. And today, the idea is to put it charitably once more, absurd. The countries closest to this sort of treatment of women are clearly Islamic countries. American women today are in absolutely no danger of losing their freedoms, especially so-called reproductive freedom. Abortion may be in some cases a bit inconvenient, but it's still legal and widely available. Contraceptives have never been easier to obtain, and you can even get the so-called morning-after pill without a prescription. So to call the handmaid's tale essential viewing for our fractured culture only illustrates just how out of touch with reality a certain class of North Americans has become. And then he goes on to say what the real problem is. Now, I don't know if you know about, uh, uh, you know about, uh, 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 well, I'll just read his stuff here. Britain's left-wing magazine, written by a feminist who goes by the pen name Glosswich, the author, after taking note of all the invocations of Atwood's novel following last November's elections, writes... There's something about the current wallowing in Atwood's vision that strikes me as, if not self-indulgent, then at the very least, naive. Remember, this is coming from a feminist, okay? Left-wing feminist. She then cites a book published the same year as The Handmaid's Tale, which predicted that once embryo transfer technology, have you heard about that? Stay with me here. Once embryo transfer technology is developed, the surrogate industry could look for breeders not only in poverty-stricken parts of the United States, but in the third world as well. There, perhaps one tenth of the current fee could be paid to women. There, are women that are being paid ten to twenty thousand dollars to be surrogate mothers to give birth to wealthy women that don't want to, you know, the inconvenience of a pregnancy. So, what this person is suggesting, and it's in third-world countries. Oh, you could hire a surrogate mother for one tenth the cost. Unlike Atwood's so-called prophecy, Glosswich's prophecy was the one that has come to pass. Today, there are parts of the world in which renting the womb of a poor woman is indeed ten times cheaper than in the U.S. The choice of wealthy white couples to implant embryos in the bodies of brown women is seen as a neutral consumer choice. Another name for this consumer choice is, listen to this, surrogacy tourism. In India, the number of women renting their wombs for affluent white foreigners was so high that the government enacted a law limiting the practice to Indian couples. All that did was open the market to other desperate third world women. Glosswich wonders why, if the fate of the fictional handmaid is so horrifying to western feminists today, the fate of real life women in surrogacy hostels is causing so little outrage. You know why it's causing so little outrage? I'll tell you why. Because left-wing feminism in North America is dominated by hypocritical liars. And boy, I would suggest there's there's some place for some righteous anger here. Serious, righteous anger. I'm going a little over my time here, but, you know, it's my show, I can do that. And I can see the caller waiting online there. You're going to get on in a second. Gloss, which wonders, okay, the most likely reason, apart from self-centeredness, is that the West, in the West, freedom and reproductive freedom, which means complete control over one's sexual choices and its consequences, are synonymous. To question any practice or technology, such as surrogacy or in vitro fertilization that facilitates this control, is to call out our ideas about freedom and autonomy into question. And protecting those ideas requires a willful blindness to the fact that the new states as the new statesman put it parts of atwood's tale have already come true just not for white western women nobody's writing about this nobody's saying a thing about it this is the kind of stuff that christ okay this is the kind of stuff that christ using a whip and driving out liars and hypocr- hypocrites from the temple okay this is what this is what he was driving out that kind of mentality right there so before you quote the line, what would Jesus do? Have a good idea of what would Jesus do, okay? Happy, very, very happy tonight to welcome a a, a new sponsor to uh, a Late Night Council. And uh, you're going to be hearing from them in a second, and then we're going straight to the phones. I promise you, okay? Stay with us.
4: EMM Group is the authorized IntegraSpec distributor for the greater Ottawa area, providing technically advanced insulated concrete farms. The design virtually eliminates waste while providing the ultimate energy-efficient, quiet homes and structures. With over 40 years' experience in the concrete industry, EMM offers the best product to homeowners and contractors. Canadian-made IntegraSpec is now being used worldwide. More info can be found at IntegraSpec.com. Don't consider building any other way. Call your ICF specialist 613-835-2600.
1: So I'm reloading and taking a much-needed break with this here pre-recorded message. You can get a line right now while I'm doing that. 343-700-4390. That's 343 74390 4390 That's uh, the Capital Region line. That's Ottawa, Gatineau, and close by. If you live far away, the toll-free line all across North America. 1-844-LNC is on. That's one 844 1-844-562-4766 Our call service is automated, so you won't be talking to a live person until you're on air. Now, don't sweat that; just follow the on-air prompts, and uh, you'll be fine. Trust me, you've handled this kind of technology before. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to me right now. You can connect with us live at TuneInRadio.com or Google Play, or just click the Listen Live button at LateNightCouncil.com. But you know, chances are you've already done that. Just kind of a reminder. Late Night Council does not exist without advertisers. So if you want to buy time, email me at jc at And the rates are so cheap because, you know, we're just relaunching and getting things going again. You are going to absolutely love the rates. And, of course, your feedback is always welcome. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. And thanks for tuning in. We're back live in just a few seconds, so hang in there. 343-700-4390 343 4390 4 3 in the Capital Region. That's 343 4 3 700 4390 4 4 562 4766 is the long distance line. That's one 4 4 562 4766 6. Who we got on the line? Who's calling in? Who is this?
0: Mary from Alexandria. Hi, Mary. How you doing? Pretty good. How are you?
1: What's on your mind? Well,
0: uh, my the... the the, the reason I wanted to call you tonight has has nothing to do with the terrorist thing, but you kind of got me riled up a little bit, and I don't know exactly what it what it's going to take for our Western leaders here, like our Prime Minister or somebody in charge, to to do something.
1: Well, well, think uh, of
0: that. Uh, Mary, the, the way the way that it's going, the way it's going, he's gonna make it. Just like in the UK and Europe, it's going to be exactly like that here. Well, uh, I don't know how many years it's going to take.
1: Like I, but, uh, I, I uh, uh, you know, I always thought, you know, what it will take in Canada is for us to have a number of terrorist attacks here, where a lot of carnage, a lot of death. Okay, well, that's already going on in France and Britain, and the leaders there are doing nothing that. about it. They're doing nothing. They're rolling over and dying. Yasser Arafat well, said that we him. are going to take over the Western world, it's going to take us 50 years, and we won't even have to fire a shot, okay? Because, exactly. wh- I mean, they, but are, you using, know what is happening? they are using so-called, the so-called human rights and tolerance, you know, to advance their cause. And to multiply and, you know, while while Western culture is killing its babies in abortion and, and for the sake of convenience, yeah. you know, uh, uh, the far more robust culture, which is uh, uh, serious Islam, I'll call it, because, you know, they're fanatically devoted to everything in the Quran. okay? They're, the average size of their families is eight and nine kids, okay? Well, <laughs> it's simple by demography. They're going to take over Europe in the next 10 yeah. to 15 years and and i and Absolutely. i've espoused this theory often okay the only thing that's going to stop this is a spiritual revival in the west where we come back to an understanding of how sacred life is where we come back to the you know the difference between right or wrong you see the reason nobody is labeling this the evil for what it is is because everybody's right we live in a culture of situ situational ethics moral relativism and when everything is right then nothing is wrong so a robust culture that, you know is is pretty dedicated some evil stuff we're sitting ducks for it to take over oh,
0: definitely. And, we, and, and without a... not, and not only that in, in Europe they they're putting laws to disarm even further all the citizens okay well that's already Which, happened course, in Canada well, we're not allowed. To, we're, not allowed is, def-
1: well, we're not allowed to we're not allowed to defend ourselves in in, in
0: Canada Well, that has to change. But you see, the way I'm talking, I could be labeled as some sort of an extremist, uh, some sort of uh, uh, you know, like by these people, by the left. Oh yeah, Uh, you can't even talk like that anymore. Well, the media, they, they, you know, the the media, the
1: media, the media in Britain right now, in Manchester and in London, England is far more dedicated to protecting people from, you know, spreading hatred against Islam. They're far more, they're warning people and, and they're incarcerating people that espouse what they describe as Islamophobic rhetoric, okay? That's far more serious crime. I mean, they're far more dedicated to going after people that are spreading Islamophobia than they are the people that, you know, are actually doing the actual killing. That's how crazy it is. They knew about this guy. They, he was on their radar. They know of at least 800, they know of thousands of jihadists in Britain, there. Doing nothing about
0: yeah but it's hard like they're really understaffed they eh, compared to what they have to check but at least if they were willing to be honest when they spoke and they are not and what they are doing is further like i said disarming you know uh, rasmussen i think he was head of nato before rasmussen was his name and uh, the the czech republic's uh, president right now yeah. he says that the best way to arm against terrorism is to have armed citizens of course we're talking well, about law I am, abiding people a, I, don't a I don't think
1: i don't think a political solution is going to work i don't think i i think without a a literally a spiritual revival and that can only ha- <clears throat> happen when people you know get back to an understanding of what real you know what good and evil is that's why the bible says hate evil We have hardly anybody in secular culture today, you know, everybody loves everything. You know, what used to be called perversion, I have to promote and I have to accept. And if I diss it and I say anything wrong about it, okay, I mean, people have gotten fired for their jobs just for supporting I mean, think of the guy. I forget the high tech company that he was the CEO of about three or four years ago down in California. They found out that this guy donated a thousand dollars to a pro traditional family organization in California five years beforehand. They found out he donated to this organization. They fired him simply on that ah. basis because he took a stand for traditional family. That's how, and that's that's not an isolated case. That's the way it is. Okay. You are going to promote their brand of morality because there is no there is no more good, there is no more evil, and the only way and I keep going back to Romans one because the biblical perspective on this is romans one eighteen to thirty two and I tell people to read it all the time because that 's where we 're living right now, and the only solution is for people to for people to understand that you know the God that loves you and that doesn 't want you to destroy your country and has yes, come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, but it has to be on his terms. And people have too big of egos. People, you know, they want to do it their way, you know? There's two types of people. The people that pray, God, have your will. And the people to whom God says, okay, have it your way. And that's why we got the moral mess we've got in our our culture right now.
0: Which brings me to my question to the pastor. Go for it. Okay. (laughs) Please explain. How can we be made in the image of God... When for example you d- just looking at myself I can see so many faults, shortcomings. I sometimes I feel so ungodly.
2: I
1: got more okay. than you, Mary, so I this- can promise you.
0: <laughs> you don't know that.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, oh. I stack my sin and my 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 failures up against anybody.
0: Uh, well, which brings me to the revival because if you're talking if we want a revival but then then I get back. It's like I'm stuck in a loop into into this. The first this step to supernatural. And... Listen,
1: the first step to supernatural transformation comes from Second Chronicles seven fourteen, where Solomon is Solomon wait, wait. is praying and and God speaks through Solomon to the nation of Israel and he says this. Okay, he says if my. Pe- in fact, the prayer is in the Old Testament, but it is ten times more relevant to followers of Jesus Christ because of the way it starts off. It starts off like this: If my people who are called by my name. That's what Christians are. We're called after the name of Christ. If my people, who are called by my name, will turn... And he's talking to followers of Christ now. He's talking about a righteous, a so-called righteous nation. He is not talking about pagans. He's talking to people who profess a faith in God. He says, if my people, who are called by my name, will turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, repent, and pray, I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. The, promise, the problem with most followers of Christ is we don't think we need healing. We think we're okay. We think if we elect all the right people, things are going to be okay. You know, and I would say the moral corruption, if you go by the biblical perspective, the moral corruption that is in Western culture is the fault of followers of Christ more than anybody. Because we have espoused a so-called spirituality, but we've denied its power. It's been a religion of convenience. Okay. The real followers of Christ, they're getting killed in the Middle East right now, okay? They're in prisons in North Korea. They're getting separated from their families, and they don't see them for decades in Red China right now, because they realize, you know, what it really means to follow Christ. Here, I my goodness, I mean, most of our churches are consumed with marketing techniques to talk people into coming to church, because we have so much of what what we don't need. What do I need God for? And probably you will see a more revolution when people in, in North America, all they have is God and they're crying out to him for salvation. Okay, that's probably what it's going to take. So I would suggest in Western culture, it's going to happen in Europe first. And it's going it, There's nothing to absolve North America from for, for, from it happening. I think it's going to get a lot, lot, lot worse before it gets better. And and if we don't see some type of supernatural spiritual renewal in Western culture, man, I am afraid for for uh, you know uh, my grandkids the type of uh, the type of world they're going to grow up in. I mean, it is so watered down. It is so ridiculous. It is, it is. We are led by such airheads, and our priorities are so messed up. Most people, when you talk to them about the the threat of Islamo fascism taking over Western culture, okay, which I believe is it's an instrument of God, okay, God is judging our culture because we turned our back on Him. But most people, you know how they react. Well, I hope they have Wi-Fi in the prison camps when they put us there. You know, that's how ridiculous it's gotten. <laughs>
0: So where, where was that? Uh, in the old testament what you Second, uh, Second Chronicles seven fourteen.
1: Second Chronicles seven fourteen is the if my people who are called by my name scripture. But the one I tell that I keep mentioning every Sunday night that perfectly describes Romans our culture 1. is Romans one verses eighteen to thirty two. Romans one eighteen to thirty two. Read them both before you go to bed tonight and call out to God and ask him to, to, to ask him what, what role you should be playing in this whole thing, Mary. That's my advice. Good having you on. Thanks for calling. Hey, in. Thanks. There it go. There goes. Okay. Mary. Good night. I'm I'm Mr. You know, Mr. Mr. Host, Mr. Producer, Mr. Call Screener, Mr. Everything. So you gotta forgive me if I'm sometimes you know a little bit. Hey, John, what's going on here? Anyway, gonna take a break. Have I got a tune to play for you here? No, I'll play another one of our our ads here, and we'll be back real quick. Okay, I'm gonna catch my breath. You should have heard me coughing while she was on the air. You couldn't have because you know I turned off the mic, but. I got to go get a glass of water, okay? And I'll be right back after that. Stay with us.
4: EMM Group is the authorized IntegraSpec distributor for the greater Ottawa area, providing technically advanced insulated concrete farms. The design virtually eliminates waste while providing the ultimate energy-efficient, quiet homes and structures. With over 40 years' experience in the concrete industry, EMM offers the best product to homeowners and contractors. Canadian-made IntegraSpec is now being used worldwide. More info can be found at IntegraSpec.com. Don't consider building any other way. Call your ICF specialist 613-835-2600.
1: Okay, I got a glass of water in me. Hopefully, the coughing fit has ended. Of course, you wouldn't know because I know how to use the mic switch. It's amazing what 33 years of doing talkie radio will do for you. Is it 33? No, it's 35. Longer than that. 343 700 4390. You're listening to Late Night Council. 343 4390. And if you're calling from, uh, Anywhere in North America, faraway exotic places, or just, like, weird places, like uh, burnt flat British Columbia. If you're calling from Dead Horse, Alaska, if you're calling from uh, Oatmeal, Texas, or Break-A-Bean, New York, one 562 4766 That's one 562 4766 Got an email from Eric, JC at jc.latenightcouncil.com. Keep it under six lines. You know, the last two months, Eric's been getting more of his emails read than anybody else that's emailing me. Why? Because it's good questions, and it's under six lines. Way to go, Eric. Good job. In fact, sometimes he gets two emails read on the air. Here's his latest. You can tweet at me, too, at JW Council. This year's 100th anniversary of Fatima, where the Virgin Mary appeared. There were three prophecies given, two that were revealed at the time, and the third, which was to be revealed, no letter than 1960. Do you know what the third prophecy was? The answer to your first question, no, I don't. I also understand that there was a miracle of the sun which was witnessed by thousands of people. Do you believe that this actually happened? I don't know. I don't give the whole Fatima thing, I don't give two thoughts to it. Because everything I've read about it and what she said and whatever, I don't see any relevancy to to uh, uh, world affairs or anything. Okay? The Bible says there's one mediator between God and man, and that is the man Christ Jesus. So I don't see any biblical necessity for Mary communicating or people praying to Mary. And I know Catholics will get upset when I say that, but there is no there is no biblical instruction that we're supposed to pray to her at all. She's a wonderful lady, okay, and 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 you know I, I think she deserves our respect like any woman in the Bible. I mean, if you're going to carry the Son of God in your womb for nine months. That's pretty special. Of course, she'd be blessed but it doesn't go beyond that scripturally. And when it does go beyond that, I think a lot of belief and, 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 and superstition, I call it, about Mary is extra biblical that in my opinion is unnecessary. Now you Catholics that love Jesus and are filled with his love, don't get mad at me, okay? Because I'm your ally here. I'm just expressing an opinion here. I disagree respectfully. And I know Roman Catholics that are way more Christ-like than I am. I admire them. Some of them are my heroes, but I can't see anywhere in the Bible where it says, you know, I'm supposed to pray to Mary when there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Why would I want to pray to a saint when I can talk to the Son of God, when I can boldly approach the throne room of God, it says in Hebrews, because of the blood of Jesus Christ? I don't want to deal with subordinates. I want to deal with the man, and he says I can because of his blood. So whatever happened there, that's fine. If you want to, you know, see images somewhere, I, mean, I don't see it having any impact on on uh, on global affairs whatsoever. You want to call in and give me your side and disagree? Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but you know, yeah, that's fine, you know, you'll get a platform. You'll get to talk here. I'm not going to restrict you in any way. Eric also put an email in that's a comment. Islam may be God's judgment on an unbelieving evil world, which is long overdue. Eric, I can't argue with you there. I do reserve the right to be wrong, okay? And and But in my opinion, I totally agree with you. I mean, I can't believe how pompous and hypocritical the West is. You know, and, you know, they, they just... I mean, it's horrible that all those girls were, were slaughtered in Manchester. Excuse me? Do you know how many babies we slaughtered in North America on that very same day? It numbers in the thousands. Those are eternal souls to God. Okay, He doesn't distinguish between the two. A unique human being that's like unlike no other, no other person. Personality, genetic makeup, everything determined right at the point of conception. And we have we have fooled ourselves into thinking, oh, it's convenience. It's that's my body. I got a right to do with it with it as I want. God's not fooled by that kind of rhetoric. And we've been doing this, we've been slaughtering innocents by the millions for 40 years. God's not fooled. And if you know anything about what the Bible says of of how he judged Israel, which were his people, that he loved, that he set apart, you know, to bring forth, you know, the Messiah for the redemption of all of mankind. I mean, the way he disciplined Israel was often he would bring in a more wicked nation to they would be subject to. The Philistines were horrible people. The Midianites, the Amorites, the Babylonians, the Medo-Persians, the Romans. The Romans came in and totally sacked Jerusalem in 70 A.D. And and God always warned them in the Old Testament. You look at the privates, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, all the minor prophets, Nahum, Habakkuk, Micah, Malachi, Obadiah, Zephaniah, Zechariah, all of them, almost all of them are warning Israel all the time. Turn away from your idolatry. Turn away from your greed. Turn away from your evil and worship God. If you don't, he is going to judge us. And usually you would have three or four generations of prophets. Warning, 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 warning. And then finally God said, that's it. I'm not listening to your prayers anymore. I'm going to bring judgment on you. That's the way he dealt with the nation of Israel. And you look at the United States of America, which prides itself on trying to make people believe it's a Christian country. If you believe that abortion is murder, and I do... They've butchered more people than you know in the last forty years than anybody, and we've you know sanitized it and sterilized it and made ourselves believe that oh it's okay. We even our governments even fund it. He's not fooled. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. That's three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. One eight four four five six two four seven six six. That's one eight four four five six two four seven six six. I pastor Christ Church in Lower Town, in Ottawa. It's a new church. We rent facilities, and it's uh, it's amazing. It's, it's like nothing I've ever experienced in my life. It's powerful. And there's three pillars with, that we that we base that church on. Number one is the great commandment. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the, that's the first pillar, the great commandment. The second pillar is the great commission. The great commission says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. In Matthew 28 and 19, it says, go out and preach the gospel and teach people to obey. You can't teach people to obey unless, you know, you win them over first. There's nothing in the Bible that, that, that even remotely advocates any type of forced coercion or forced conversion. People have to choose people do not listen to teaching unless you 've got to first convince them through your lifestyle and through your genuineness and your humility and your christ likeness that whatever you 're teaching is is you know worthy of them listening to and historically Christianity has done such a rotten job at being christ like That, you know, in our culture, people have a right to get defensive when you talk about God or religion or anything. Because all we do is proselytize or we market or we try to convince people that our church is the best. When Jesus, the way he won people was by laying down his life and serving. So the first pillar is the great commandment. Love God with all your heart soul and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. second pillar is the great commission. Preach the gospel. If you have to, use words, as St. Francis said. And the third pillar is the scripture that I just quoted to Mary there, Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, seek my face... I will hear them, I'll forgive their sin, I'll heal their land. And, you know, there's a lot of, like, uh, pretentious Christian groups that read that scripture and think, oh, we're going to take over the, the country, you know, he's going to heal our land. And their, their interpretation of it is, you know, we'll get the right guys elected, and we'll have some type of theocracy, which is so ridiculous. They advocate, you know, if we, if we get all the right people elected, we could actually bring God's kingdom on this earth. They had to read Job, the book of Job. When Job goes through his hellish trial... At the end of it, God shows up. And he says to Job, you know, where were you when I put the stars in the heaven? Where were you when I created all the creatures? Are you telling me how I should, you know, run the universe? And then he says this to him, and I'll give you the reference before we go out tonight. He says, do you really think that you could set up my kingdom on this earth? These bozos that think, that you know, that if we get all the right people elected, if we just pray the right prayers, we can bring God's kingdom on the earth. They need to read the Bible, Okay. So when it says, when, Jesus, when God says in Second in, in Chronicles 7, I'm going to heal your land, that's not just your land. Your land is anything that you, uh, you, know, you lay claim to or you're part of. It could be your family, your neighborhood, your school, your workplace, your school. That's your land. I'm going to heal your environment. And I'm not talking the physical environment because that's turned into a crazy you know, uh, 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 cult as well. Here it is in Job 38, verse 33. Do you know the laws of the heavens? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? So that's our three pillars right there. I talk about that stuff a lot. And we give ourselves to that, you know? Who are you going after, John? The people that need to hear the message the most, the poor, the addicted. We're going after people that, you know, other churches are ignoring. That's where Jesus would be, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be? that's That's where he'd be? I got a, I get a good, uh, yeah, I'm probably going to do it now. I was going to do an info uh, uh, an info break here at the top of the hour here, but anybody that's listening from Christchurch, Ottawa, okay, and the website will be up probably in the next month, so I'll be talking about it more on the show, Christchurch, com, it's coming, okay, where you can find out what we're up to and where we meet and, you know, the the kind of outreaches we're involved in. But this morning I talked about the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of God is. And the kingdom of God, you can tell the kingdom of God is resident in your church, in your family, in your neighborhood, when there's three things. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness, that means holiness. People know the difference between right or wrong. There's kindness, there's love there. That's righteousness. Joy, not happiness. Happiness depends on happenings. That's why the Americans got it go so screwed up. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. No, no, that's not. The Bible doesn't talk about happiness. It's not a bad thing to be happy, but joy is something more powerful. Joy is something that comes from the inside. You can have joy even though you've lost a loved one. You can have joy even though you've gone bankrupt. You can have joy and faith in the one who's in total control even when the relationship falls apart. Joy is powerful. It's fueled from the inside. It doesn't depend on what happens on the outside. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Well, peace, I mean, Jesus is described as the Prince of Peace. So if he's ruling, there's going to be peace. So anybody that's a part of Christ Church, my congregation, I, I'm, I'm putting this out tonight. I mean, the rest of you are going to enjoy this tune. You're going to love it, okay? But the whole time I was preaching that message this morning, we had an awesome time in church, like we always do this morning. I was thinking of this tune. We didn't sing this tune. We didn't do this tune. But I think it sums it up pretty good. And I need another swig of water. So enjoy, Ron Cannoli.
5: Justice peace and joy
1: Welcome back. Hour number two, starting right now. 343 4390 in the Capital Region. Ottawa, Gatineau, Hull, Aylmer, Chelsea, Ironbriar, Richmond, Embrun, Russell, Rockland, Wonderland. 343-743-90. That's your number, 343 700 4390, long distance, anywhere in North America, Old Man's Pocket, Ontario, Flatnose, Nevada, Sassafras, Maryland, Pee Wee Valley, Kentucky, one 562 4766 that's your number, one 562 4766 email jc at late night council.com, jc at late night council.com. Dot com, and you can tweet at me at JW Council. So there's all the venues that you can participate, and if you want to just listen to me rant and rave, feel free. I'm 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 gifted for that, equipped for that. 343-700-4390. Jesus saved his most barbed comments for hypocrites for people who are pretending something that they're not. For you know, people who deceive. Now I'm going to tell you again, okay? In fact, maybe I'll 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 stop doing it when I start getting emails or calls, "Hey John, enough of Romans 1, 18, 32 I've read it every Sunday for the last 6 weeks. That's good. You know, you should probably should read it every Sunday. Because you certainly get a get a better understanding where I'm coming from if you read Romans one 18 to 32 because that's where we are as a culture right now." I, I, the, the the world is getting crazier. In fact, not just crazy. Crazy kind of sounds like fun. You know, when you hear the term crazy, you think Monty Python. You know, you think uh, goofy comedians. Oh, that's really crazy! Ha ha ha! It, it's getting evil. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, oh boy, you're you're becoming an increasing, you know, you're you're becoming increasingly a target. Now, if you're a Christian, it's not that bad because everybody's got a different uh, perception of a Christian. You know, if you're benign, you're just showing up for church every once in a while and, you know, saying nice things. It's no issue, you know, but, but if you're a follower of Christ, if you talk like Jesus, if you espouse the priorities of Jesus, oh, my goodness. Well, here's the latest here. This is just nuts. Tony Richardson, a teacher with the public school district. This happened a couple of weeks ago, okay? Tony Richardson, a teacher with the public school district in Augusta, Maine, was threatened with dismissal for offering to pray for a colleague. Can you believe this? Tony Richardson, a devout Christian teacher and mother of two, who was warned by the Coney School in Augusta, Maine, that she could be fired for using the phrase, for using phrases such as, listen to this, you know, I will pray for you. If you use a phrase like that, I can get you fired in that school. Or you were in my prayers while at work has filed charges. She's filed charges of religious discrimination and retaliation with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, whatever that is. I like guess it's a, some type of governing body in Maine. Now, if those, if, if they're anything like our human rights courts here in Ontario, they're going to throw that right out. They're just going to laugh at her. Because if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I mean, not only are you not going to be protected, I mean, you're encouraged by our institutions to attack people who are followers of Jesus Christ. Man, you'll get a book deal with a publisher. You'll have newspapers wanting to know your story. The school charged that their investigation revealed that Richardson was alleged to have imposed her religious... She imposed her religious belief! on the male teacher by using the phrases such as, I will pray for you during their interactions. This was a private conversation they were having, okay? The hatred towards followers of Christ has gotten to the point where if you say somebody, I will pray for you, that's interpreted as, I'm imposing my religious belief on somebody. These bozos, and especially if they're women, they need to spend a few months in Saudi Arabia or Iran, okay, or Yemen, or Libya, uh, what's you know what is now Libya, they need to live under, you know, Islamic rule to find out what imposing religious beliefs on people is really what you know, really what it is. I'm not making this stuff up, folks. This isn't an isolated case. I come across cases like this oh, at least a half a dozen a week. If you go to in fact there's so many of them I get sick of re- I get sick of even reviewing them for this show. Go to christianpost.com. I mean, you wouldn't believe it. I mean attack after attack after attack after attack after attack. I I you know I never get I never thought I'd get such a, a stark literal you know interpretation of what Christ said when he said, Look at all men are gonna hate you because of me. If you're really following me seriously, and you know, they try to label fundamentalist Christians as some type of oppressive type people. You know what a fundamentalist Christian is? A fundamentalist Christian is somebody who forgives their enemies. A fundamentalist Christian is somebody who doesn't lose it. A fundamentalist Christian is somebody who blesses instead of curses, okay? Somebody who really takes the Bible seriously and follows Jesus Christ, okay, takes a humble attitude will be quick to defend, you know, the defenseless and the downtrodden and people that, you know, nobody's coming to their aid. That's what a fundamentalist Christian is. And they try to lump fundamentalist Christians in with, you know, fundamentalist Islamist, which (laughs) those people blow up theaters. And and, and I get tired because I know so many humble, wonderful people. You know that, that are serious followers of Christ, and and the way they're maligned, and the way they're dis, you know the way they're uh, spoken ill of it, it's it's it's, it's mind blowing. And I would suggest there's a supernatural element to it. In fact, Ephesians six says that you know you're not wrestling. Paul said to the church in Ephesians, he said you know you're not wrestling. You're not up against you know uh, 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 people here. You're up against some spiritual forces here that are working with people and working through people. Well, how do you know God, the, the devil's working through them? Well, they don't even know it themselves. But anybody that's given over to their own agenda, their own selfishness, I mean, the devil's greatest tool is is uh, uh, people that don't believe in him, don't even believe he exists. I mean, remember seeing a real poignant drama that was done on the street once by a street drama team. And this drama featured the devil, this character playing the devil, you know, and he was invisible to everybody, but he was chaining these people up, and he's chaining these people. And he said, what are you doing? I'm the devil. I'm chaining you. I'm bounding you. I'm dragging you into hell. You're the devil. I don't even believe in you. And the devil says this. He says, I don't believe in me either. Father of lies. And all his lies are believable. I think the devil's very alive and well. I think he's doing a, I think he's being very, very successful. And what his, uh, you know, what his whole agenda is, deception and lies and all that other stuff. And the casualties are everywhere. I don't like that tune by Journey. You know that classic rock tune, you know? They were playing it, you know, in the Sens were going into their last uh, a game against Pittsburgh you know, when they were at home and we won game six. The, the Journey tune, Don't Stop Believing. It's kind of corny. Not a real big Journey fan. But there is, you know, the lyrics aren't bad to that because when it comes to, I mean, when you think of who all my heroes are, most of my heroes are are like the guys like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who knew how evil Hitler was in Germany. When all the other church leaders were capitulating and, you know, playing the politically correct game, this guy saw the evil for what it was because he knew the difference between evil and righteousness. And he, in obedience to scripture, had a hatred towards evil. And this guy was actually part of a plot to kill Hitler. And somebody found out about it, put him in a prison camp, and you know, he died in that prison camp. He wrote one of the most incredible Christian classics that's ever been written called The Cost of Discipleship. I've never made it through the book, The Cost of Discipleship, because when I read the book, The Cost of Discipleship, I read about a page and i got to go alone and pray for about an hour because I'm so convicted of my own sin. Those are my heroes. Every one of the disciples died a martyr's death, every one of them. The only one that didn't die a martyr's death and he didn't escape torture was uh, John, who died on the Alpatmas. He was boiled in oil, but boiled in oil, but somehow he survived it and he lived probably into his eighties or his nineties. All of them were beheaded. Peter, you know, crucified upside down. Thomas shish by a spear. Tradition says in India, they all died horrible deaths. Jim Elliot, guys know that story. The Aka Indians in South America, going down there and trying to, you know, to, to, to bring the gospel and food supplies to people there, and him and his team were were murdered. Those guys are my heroes. You got heroes like that? If you do, I want to play a tune for you. I want to play a tune for you. It, it's it's uh, a, I don't know what psalm it is. It's Psalm one twenty six. Psalm 126, there's a there's a band out of uh out of California, I don't think they're together anymore, but they were they were called the Maranatha singers. And they they were experts at taking the Psalms and they were taking scriptures and putting music to it. Now I'm a big rock and roll fan, but when it comes to music that honors God, when it comes to music that, you know, that that really just grabs me, you know, there's a huge place in my heart for this type of stuff. This is Psalm 126, set to music. And and when I was watching You know, what happened in Manchester this week, and when I heard what happened in Egypt with those Coptic Christians, you know, innocent people just mowed down by evil, by hatred, that our leaders and our politicians don't even recognize what it is. And they're doing nothing to stop it, nothing significant to stop it, because to a great degree, a lot of them have made these incredible deals, you know, with Arab oil. And they don't want to offend anybody because, you know, the almighty buck, that's, that's way more important than lives. That's way more important than, you know, innocent human beings. They all give lips or oh, our thoughts and prayers. Are with We're not going to do anything about it. We're just going to sing Imagine Again by John Lennon. Then we'll feel better until the next slaughter takes place. It's sickening. Let me play you Psalm 126. Pretty good, huh? I like it. Hope you do, too. I think Mike's on the line. Mike, is that you?
3: It is me, John.
1: Mike's on the line. What's on your mind, Mike?
3: Um, well, I definitely want to get into the topic you were discussing a little earlier there before the top of the hour, but uh, I wanted one? to Which one? There's also about four mention, of them. Oh, I know. Well, it all kind of blends together for me, but okay. uh, I also wanted to mention, uh, I finally got to see the movie Silence, the Scorsese pick. I don't know if you've checked it out yet, but I definitely recommend it. Um, What's it about? It's that's very, the, first, that's
1: the first time I've heard about it. What's it about? And usually uh, I'm up on it's those about,
3: things. Yeah, it's, well, cause, and especially because Scorsese was so much controversy over him and what kind of movies he wanted to make. Yeah. Um, and he really wanted to do this faith picture, and he wanted to do it right. And I have to say, I, I do really like what he did. I have no idea his take on it, because... What is, okay, so the movie Silence is basically about it takes place, and I think the 16 or I think it's about the 1600s, maybe 1700s. Okay, and it's uh, Jesuit priests going from I believe Portugal to Japan to proselytize, to okay. to spread the gospel to the Japanese people, and one of them has gone missing, and word word is is that he's turned his back on the faith and and uh, become an apostate, mm-hmm. and these two other uh, priests. They want their. There were he was their mentor, and they want to go and prove it to be a lie. And they go over there, and of course, you know, when when Jesus says to pick up your cross and follow me, and of course, the, you know, even Peter, very eager to, you know, I'll follow you anywhere. And Jesus tells them, you don't quite get what I'm telling you when I say they're going to come after you, and and you will be persecuted. Uh, of course, they understand it after they see the crucifixion, but uh, at the time, so these priests that go over there they really get put into it uh, to to persecution, and they see the the persecution being visited on those Japanese people to get them to drive out any sign of Christianity. They wanted it gone. They did Mm -hmm. not want it in that country. And uh, you, you get to see a lot of different people, including the priests, and how they react with their faith. And, of course, silence is that, you know, was, you know, where is where's God? Is you know, has He forsaken me? What, yeah. Is this all supposed to turn out rosy, or is this going to go really brutal? And and one of the things I like about it, um, and I'm not giving anything away in the movie because you go into the movie wondering, do the priests give up their faith? That's the point of the kind of the movie, and and it gives you kind of both answers in such a way that you're left to decide: Did they really give it up, or did they not give it up? Mm-hmm. And 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 that's a really fascinating discussion. Of course, I have a very strong opinion, but I don't want to give away the movie to people who haven't seen it. And uh, But I, I think I've even seen some great discussions, and I've heard the arguments from both sides because it does invoke that kind of an argument. People will go with both sides of that argument and say they did or they didn't give it up. But uh, even seeing the, the face of the Japanese people who wouldn't give up their faith, and I mean they were put through some brutal, brutal, torturous deaths, and and they went welcoming, you know they were glad in their persecution for the Lord. It's it's just striking the different contrasts of everyone who had different levels of faith, and it's really remarkable movie. I think it's, it's one of his. I think it's his best thing he's ever made.
1: Because hmm. I'm looking at the Wikipedia yes. page on it, and it bombed at the bo- a box office. It cost forty million bucks to make. And it grossed sixteen million. And I don't
3: even think he made it for the money. Well, I, I honestly, well, he obviously, he obviously didn't. He
1: obviously didn't because no. it didn't make a penny for him. In fact, and from him. what
3: I understand, uh, the the Adam, uh, I think it was Garfield, the, the the lead in the movie, I believe he was born Jewish. I supposedly he converted to Christianity from this movie. He he started really embracing his faith.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so. I just think it's a it's a worthwhile picture for for Christians, especially in a time where you know you and I can see this coming that we are entering a phase of persecution that's coming. And yeah. you've you've mentioned many times other prophets from uh, that you know predicted in our lifetime we're going to see this kind of persecution, and we're beginning to see it. We're already discussing cases of it. He, he must so have been very passionate.
1: He must have been very passionate about it because I'm looking at the Wikipedia thing, and it was nominated. Like the critics really loved it. It was nominated for the Which best... Which is sit-
3: surprising, right?
1: Yeah.
2: But then Very again,
3: surprising. it's ambiguous about whether or not they forsake the faith or, yeah. or not, yeah,
2: eh?
3: and, and that's... People are going to take away from it what they want. They're going to make the ending the way they want it in their head. And it's going to speak something to the kind of faith you have or the lack of uh, as to how you how you respond to whether or not they did or didn't mm-hmm. abandon the faith. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think it's a worthwhile picture. It's worth seeing. Well, I'm and glad you brought it up. You, you,
1: got my, you, got me, you, you stirred up my interest here, Mike.
3: Yeah, I, I, I'm impressed that he would even make a movie like that, and I'm impressed at how seriously everybody took it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they put a lot of reverence into making this very uh, heavy, thoughtful discussion on what faith and what faith is, and of course christians who 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 follow Christ ought to know that it 's not going to suddenly be the yellow brick road of easiness
1: oh yeah, I mean like so. if you if you hear what 's coming up from pulpits, particularly in the states in the southern United States I mean I mean all they deal with is first world problems, you know I mean get... They're so divorced from reality of what, you know, real life is and what the cost is to following Christ. I, I just, I shake my head. I, and I, and some of these churches are mega churches, you know, but like, uh, oh, yeah. I, I mean, there's a, uh, and I was going to bring this uh, scripture up earlier and you're, you uh, uh um, you know, your, your uh, um, um, call is prompting me to go to 1 uh, Timothy or 2 Timothy. It's the one that says, you know, in the last days they will gather around them a great number of teachers that say what their ear itching ears want to hear. And, yes, and that's what we've got in, in modern Western culture. You know, and, and a lot of times we in modern Western culture, we think we're the only people in the world. But, you know, <laughs> modern Western culture only accounts for what, like uh, 15% of the world's population? And the Bible is a universal book. And yeah. it, it speaks to everybody, and and uh, but we're hearing that. I think that's I think that's part of human nature, you know. Uh, people don't want to hear the truth. know, hey, tell me what makes me feel good. You know, I want to give yeah. my money and my devotion when it comes to church life. You know, I, I want to go to a church where they make me feel good. Well, uh, Christ wasn't called to make you feel good. I mean, He came that you might have life and have it more abundantly, and and He talks about victory, but there's there's no victory without a battle. And before you have real peace, you gotta take out the bully. You gotta take out the bad guy. And the devil hates us and he, he's he's wreaking havoc. And there is a price to be paid to dethrone the evil that, you know, our culture is is hypnotized and and mesmerized by right now. And it's it, it, it's yeah, a form, and that's, that's it's it's really it's it's a vicious form of I to call
3: on too. Yeah, and that's that's specifically what I wanted to, to call on, which is um, you, well, I'll, I'll start with this. Uh, I, Matt Walsh, he's, I share a few things with you, yeah, yeah. to you with him. And he's a great writer. He's got his moments where he just, such brilliance pouring out on that page has got to be touched because it's just amazing some of the thoughts coming out of him. And he had written a, an article this past uh, week about uh, maybe you might not want to actually go to heaven because it's not going to be what you think And <laughs> he put this piece together. Well, I want to take a quote from the article. And and this is a, something that I have observed from fellow Christians, and I'm not, it's not me, you know, I'm not going to name nobody, it's not that, it's, it's something that's in all of us, and it exists in the bodies of the Church. Um, what, there's a lot of people, he, he says, that believe in in Christianity, that you're going to get to heaven if you believe in Jesus. In other words... That they believe that God only requires that we intellectually assent to the mere fact of His existence, and not that we really do anything about it or let it impact our lives in any measurable way. Yeah, well, in they're, t- words, t- they're they're total denial. Reward, of,
1: they're they're in total denial of James one, where James one says, "Don't be just hearers of the word; be doers of the word."
3: Yeah, and actually, you read, you quoted uh Matthew 28 earlier it, the commission was not just to go out and spread and teach the gospel but to obey everything Well to teach
1: it. to teach people to obey.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, to but to to show them and and after he um well cuz you had mentioned earlier the you've turned my house into a den of thieves when he turned the thing over the the table the money changers tables yeah, yeah, over.
1: Yeah, where he took the whip and, and drove them
3: out. Yeah. So what people should know is in Deuteronomy 14, because a lot of people think this is you shouldn't be buying and selling at the temple, and yet in Deuteronomy 14, they were told that if you live too far away from the temple to bring your tithes, you bring your sacrifices, you were commanded to convert it to silver, to money, bring it to the temple or to the place of sacrifice, convert it back to a tithe, and then do your tithe that way. Yeah, yeah. So it's not the transaction of the money changing, that, because I think I've heard people ascribe that meaning to it. But what he's really quoting is both uh, Isaiah and Jeremiah. So when he says, "You," it is written, that my house is, it will be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of robbers. So he's quoting Isaiah, because in Isaiah, I believe it was, just give me a second here. Well, they're ripping was, people off. Well, first off, Isaiah 56 is where he's saying that you will be invited uh, to experience the joy in my house of prayer if you're obeying my commands and, and living according to what I've taught. So when you when you read Isaiah 56, that's the gist of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, as, for, as for Jeremiah, so let me close that, as for Jeremiah, Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 7-11, uh, well, I'll start with 9, uh, will you steal and murder, commit adultery and perjury, burn incense to Baal, and follow other gods you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house, yeah. which bears my name. Yeah. And then say, we are safe, safe to do all these detestable things. Has this house, which bears my name, become a den of robbers to yeah.
2: you? Yeah,
3: So he goes on in That's Jeremiah. That's good insight. And now, Mike, Mike,
1: Mike, you're proving yep. something here that I've advocated for a long time. The best yep. interpreter of Scripture is other Scripture. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like when Jesus drives them the, out of the out of the uh, temple and says, "You've made my my uh, uh, temple, uh, you know, my father's temple, a den of thieves." I mean, what you're doing there is interpreting it accurately by using other scriptures that refer to the same thing there, and it, it, it provides amazing right. insight that a lot of people ignore.
3: Yeah, exactly, and and so this has become a, like, well, he doesn't like money, or maybe they were ripping them off. What they were doing was they were using. So in Jeremiah, in that passage, I didn't read the whole thing, but that whole Jeremiah 7, I encourage people to read. Mm -hmm. Again, he's ripping them for, you're going through the motions of faith, but you're not really changing who you are. I'm paraphrasing it now. That's the gist of it.
1: Timothy talks 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 about it having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And then he says to, Paul says to Timothy, don't even eat with people like that,
3: you know? Exactly. So yep. he's saying, you're making a mockery of all of it. I gave you a way to, to uh, make sacrifices, to atone for your sin, and then to correct yourself. And they're just doing, basically they're just showing up, paying the tab, and then going right back out and doing it again. That's not really sorry. That's not really repentant. You haven't returned to a form of godliness. And then it, what's interesting, to go back to Matthew, when he said that line about, you've turned my house into a den of thieves, he also, just shortly after that, that's where he, he zaps the fig tree for not bearing any fruit. Yeah. And he does say that when he's expecting you to bear fruit or, you know, faith without works is dead, he's saying that I want, if you are truly believe in me, then you're doing the things that I teach you mm-hmm. to do. And if you're doing that, then you are behaving like Christ in mm-hmm. those ways. Mm-hmm. No matter what the situation is, you're, behave- you're, you're drawing upon the teachings or the Word or the Scripture, whether it's New or Old Testament. Those God never changes. The same principles are there through the whole book, and you're to take it in its entirety. Mm-hmm. So if you are truly have, uh, you know, to say I have Christ in me, as, you know, to go back to Matt or Matt Walsh's column, it's not just some euphoric feeling and some passive acknowledgement of, well, I believe you, but that doesn't mean anything. People you know, well, I mean, James that says the same the thing.
1: Time. James says the same thing. You know, he says, you believe in good, that's uh, God, that's good. Well, the devil believes in God.
3: I mean, yeah, there, and, and there's and no I more... Totally that's exactly right.
1: There's no more devout believer in anything. God. There's no more devout believer in God in the sense you're describing than the devil. Okay?
3: Exactly. And, and so, uh, but I, I do see that. Like I, and, and you know it's not a, a calling now because I look at myself and try to trying to change myself. That's the whole point. We're supposed to be changing ourselves.
1: Well, no, to, you can You and I can't change ourselves, but that's why we follow Christ because we see transformation in Him. Okay. I, I mean, well, Jesus. Well, I
3: will not make myself perfect. But Jesus, but I said, Jesus said in myself. John fifteen. We ought Jesus, to change
1: ourselves. Here's here's but here's an you know the best interpreter of scripture. Jesus said in John fifteen. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So if my only hope right. is in Christ, you know that behooves me. I, I better have a very real relationship with Him. I mean, when Romans twelve and one, so. when Romans twelve and one says, you know, uh, uh, don't be, don't follow the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, renewal of my mind is going to come from nowhere else except you know Christ Himself, and and, and that's right. where we get it. And I, and I and I've said hundreds of times on this on these broadcasts. I follow Jesus Christ not because I have it together. I follow Jesus Christ because I know how much of a sinner I am, and outside of That's outside true. of Christ, I am toast. Okay, and and I think when people follow Christ, you should expect transformation. You should expect growth. You should expect your peers and the people that you are committed to and accountable to, to, you know, to be able to kind of monitor you and help you along and encourage you. That's what a church is for.
3: And and also in the beginning of John, we also. Start with, you know, in, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh, and Christ is the Word. So, in other words, the Word of God and Jesus become somewhat interchangeable. Yeah, yeah. It's the, if, if, if you were to see the, the Word with skin on it's Christ. That's exactly it. Mm-hmm. So then, in other words, you can also go backwards, because if you have Christ in you, apart from me you can do nothing of good... Well, then, if you have the Word of God in you, if yeah. you're behaving in a way in accordance with that, that doesn't mean you're not still going to mess up and be sinful at times.
1: Well, I the, would, the I would suggest, that you... let me give you another perspective on it, okay? The greatest sure. evidence that you have Christ in you is not by what you believe and what you agree on. The greatest evidence you have Christ in you is by how you live, your priorities, how you spend and, your uh, money, what fruit. comes out of your mouth, who you associate with, okay? That's the greatest yep. evidence yep. there.
3: And that's what he means by the fruit. That's why the yep. fig tree that didn't have any fruit on it. He said that's only the only thing that's good for is to be thrown in the fire. That's all it's good for. It'll never bear fruit. And and so that's what it's meant also by faith without works is dead. It's not that we're buying our way into heaven. You cannot buy your way into heaven. That's not what it's about. And you can't perfect your way in either. Us. You know. No, exactly. But he does expect us to be. Different to to repent. That's part of it. Is repent. So return to godliness. So to to fall into what again to be start to try to be more and more like Christ. So that but,
2: uh, yeah, when okay, you but, but, in but, but, Mike, you keep going back to that.
1: You keep going. Try to be more like Christ. Okay. I mean, if you yeah. really know yourself, you know how desperately wicked you are, according to Jeremiah seventeen nine. Okay. The, they yep. all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's nobody that does righteousness. Okay. Uh, the only way that's going to happen is is uh, you got you have to have an alive and vital uh, relationship with Jesus Christ. He's got to come in. He's got, and, and he doesn't yep. come in unless there's the acknowledgement first. Okay, I need God. When I hear Donald Trump say, you know, well I haven't repented because I got nothing to repent for, I almost well, want to put my yeah. head into a wall, saying, dear God, I mean, you know, don't even talk to me about faith in Christ because if you haven't come to the place where you need where you know you need Christ because you are a sinner. Even Jesus can't do anything for you,
3: right? And and to use him as a bit of an example, this day, a lot has been made of him going to the Western Wall. He's the first sitting president to ever go to the Western Wall. This is all important symbolism. But I also look at how he presents himself and how he conducts himself, and I don't see somebody trying to fall in line with with uh, God. I don't see somebody who's repentant or, you know, truly has God in him. If I look at a Mother Teresa or a Bonhoeffer, I might not see a perfect human being or a sin-free human being, but I do see somebody following in Christ.
1: Yeah, but he's only the president. He doesn't claim to himself to be, you know, a spiritual leader of men. And compared to, you know, a lot of other presidents and prime ministers, the guy's not doing too bad in that territory. You know, like you just said, first sitting president to go to the, you know, to the Western Wall. That's pretty impressive. And again, that's not coming from a Trump fan, okay? But, you know... No yeah I'm and, not and expecting I mean, him to, to three be three I'm not expecting him to out, be but... the messiah or a spiritual leader he's the president okay just make sure that you know that you give us uh, and and the people that are under him make sure that we can function in freedom so we can live our faith and espouse our faith in a way that's not going to be oppressed by you know uh, the, the minions and the machinations of government and uh, people are far more free to express their faith and to and to stand up for what they believe in in a humble way in the states than they are in Canada I mean, the ridicule against Biblical Christianity in Canada is, is five times worse than it is in the States.
3: And you, and you think about something too, like, we live in, we do not, we're not conquered by Trudeau, we're not conquered by Trump or Barack Obama.
1: We're conquered uh, by ourselves.
3: So when our government behaves in a way that promotes abortion, or unfettered abortion in Canada, yeah. um, or or, you know, these other policies that are totally against common sense, but uh, uh, totally against Scripture as well, um, we've, we've elected that. Yeah. It's, they're rep- it's a representative government. That's I know. What we it's have. a reflection of us. So we, we are allowing this. We are promoting it. We are voting for it, or, or we are acquiescing and allowing it to yep. be voted for. Um, so in a way, those sins that they commit as a representative of us, That's they're us. doing it on our behalf, That's right. and we're okaying it.
1: That's right. We're sanctioning so it. So sin is
3: definitely on us, the people.
1: Gotta let you go, Mike. Super call as okay. usual. Always good having you on. Like I said, and I usually say it, you know, like after I let him go, because if I say it while he's on the air, you know, he may go to the moon and just like go too crazy. Uh, the guy really needs his own show. Don't you think he needs his own show? I think he needs his own show. We're gonna we're gonna work on that. He's been he's been like calling into Nick at night a lot. And by the way, Nick at night, right here at LateNightCouncil.com. On Wednesday nights, you could listen to Nick at night and on Wednesday nights at LateNightCouncil.com. And you come here for all the podcasts as well, okay? I got to give you a little bit of an information update. You know, you got to know what's going on here. And I got to get a good swig of water as well. Stay right where you are.
4: EMM Group is the authorized IntegraSpec distributor for the greater Ottawa area, providing technically advanced insulated concrete farms. The design virtually eliminates waste while providing the ultimate energy-efficient, quiet homes and structures. With over 40 years' experience in the concrete industry, EMM offers the best product to homeowners and contractors. Canadian-made IntegraSpec is now being used worldwide. More info can be found at IntegraSpec.com. Don't consider building any other way. Call your ICF specialist 613-835-2600.
1: So I'm reloading and taking a much-needed break with this here pre-recorded message. You can get a line right now while I'm doing that. 343-700-4390. That's 343 74390 4390 That's uh, the Capital Region line. That's Ottawa, Gatineau, and close by. If you live far away, the toll-free line all across North America. 1-844-LNC is on. That's one 844 562 4766 4, 4, 562 4, Our call service is automated so you won't be talking to a live person until you're on air. Now don't sweat that, just follow the on air prompts and uh, you'll be fine, trust me, you've handled this kind of technology before, otherwise you wouldn't be listening to me right now. You can connect with us live at TuneInRadio.com or Google Play or just click the Listen Live button at LateNightCouncil.com but you know, chances are you've already done that, just kind of a reminder council does not exist without advertisers so if you want to buy time email me at jc at late and the rates are so cheap because you know we're just relaunching and getting things going again you are going to absolutely love the rates and of course your feedback is always welcome tell us what you like tell us what you don't like and thanks for tuning in we're back live in just a few seconds so hang in there You know what I don't do on this broadcast that I used to do so much more often on, on, you know, when we were doing four nights a week online uh, last year. And and when I was over at CFRA uh, every, you know, five nights a week, I used to give out the phone numbers way more than I do. Way more. I find that I'm not doing that as much. Probably a good thing. You know, less administrative stuff, more talk. So right after having said that, here's the numbers again. And if you want to call, you got to get calling pretty quick because we're running out of time here. I, I probably will be wrapping this thing up in the next 12 to 13 minutes, okay? 343 700 if you want to squeeze in a call in the Capital Region. That's 343-700-4390. And if you're calling long distance, want to hear from where, where you're calling from, now I should take a look at the, where are you all listening from? Oh, we got listeners in Ireland tonight. Oh, that's cool. Oh, it's good to have the Irish tuning in tonight. I wish we had a toll free line in Ireland, but you know, if you want to pay the extra. 1844-562-4766. I don't remember us having, you know, listeners from Ireland. I got cool software here. I could I, I can tell you where everybody's listening from. That's a first. The Emerald Isle. 1844-562-4766 is long distance. 1844. Five six two, four seven six six. I'm reminded of my my buddy. He's a musician in town, Johnny McConnell. Johnny McConnell. I had him on my, one of my shows on CFRA because he wrote just a fantastic tune, uh, paying tribute to the you know the guard at the war memorial that was shot by the terrorist, and he, he performed it live in the studio. And that's how I got to know him. And uh, um, when we were off air, and I don't know if I've shared this on air or not if i have please forgive me you know I, I i joke with people i forget more than you know what you can remember um off air while we're in the studio and i had a blast with the guy and and it turns out that his his son is a good buddy goes to the same school as my grandson they live down here in Greeley and uh and and now they're and i'm reminded again because uh, my son is my grandson's playing baseball and 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 Johnny's son is on the baseball team so John and i were kind of goofing off a bit uh watching our, our kids play ball this week And uh, when we were off air, like between commercials, I got talking to him about the Belfast Giants. And uh, some of you hardcore late-night council fans might remember when I I, I talked about an article that was uh, in Reader's Digest that talked about the Belfast Giants. Who are the Belfast Giants? Well, they're a pro hockey team. And about 12 years ago, Reader's Digest did an article on the Belfast Giants who play in the British, British Premier Hockey League. And how the Belfast Giants were doing more to unite the Catholics and the Protestants than any other force in Belfast. Because the Catholics and the Protestants were coming to the same arena that sat about four or 5,000, okay, and cheering on this team. And it was I thought it was remarkable. Well, Johnny and I are talking about the Belfast Giants and, uh, you know, having a good time. And I had no idea. The guy shows up at my door a week later, okay? John. I got something for you. We got so much positive feedback from me being on the show, and I appreciate it so much. I brought a gift for you. And I thought, You gotta be kidding me. The guy produces, and I, I, I was floored by it, okay? The guy gives me, he had a he added actual Belfast Giants hockey jersey. And he gave me his Belfast Giants hockey jersey. One of the most humbling things that ever happened to me. I thought, oh my god, you gotta be kidding me blew me away story time before we go to bed tonight come on we want you talking about serious stuff okay well i'm sorry hey if you don't call in 343 700 i can talk about whatever i want right sure i can a guy i've been following in the news quite a bit this guy's something man have you heard of jordan peterson jordan peterson is the professor at the university of toronto that's been calling out this, you know, the gender confusion that our culture has embraced and, and exposing it for the nonsense that it is. And is he getting attacked publicly? Well, there was an article in uh, uh, The Sun this week, and I made note of it. I'll give you a little bit of it here. Journalists are already self-censoring in the toxic fallout from the CBC's Cultural appropriation controversy. University of Toronto professor Dr. Jordan Peterson says, Peterson, whose fight against mandatory use of genderless pronouns drew international attention, said the impact of political correctness on free speech and broader society is profound. Okay? And the whole story is about journalists who are afraid to report. It's getting to the place where where journalists are afraid to report on politically sensitive issues. For fear of the pro- politically correct, oh, I'll call it fascist because it really is. There's such fear of the politically correct fascist backlash that's in power now that you know people that would normally report on on normal stories they're very careful what they're saying now. In some cases, in some cases, journalists apologize. Why wasn't that enough? Okay, and Peterson responds, "You never apologize to a mob. You're not dealing with individuals." who you can reestablish a relationship, you're dealing with a soulless idea that has people in its possession. The guy is almost speaking in spiritual terms here. I just talked to you about Ephesians 6 that talks about you know uh, um, demonic forces that are in use in the world. And this guy sounds like he could be quoting Ephesians here when he's talking like this. Listen to what he says. You never apologize to a mob. You're not dealing with individuals who you can reestablish a relationship with. You're dealing with a soulless idea that has people in its possession, and it's a shifting entity. I'm quoting the paper here, folks. This is not me reading the Bible. This is Dr. Jordan Peterson, okay? And it's a shifting entity. It doesn't even involve the same people necessarily across time, although there's often a core, and all the idea is going to do with your apology is note that you believe that the game is fair, The game that they foisted on you is fair, and that you're guilty of breaking the rules. Does this promote censorship, he's asked? It promotes self-censorship. Again, I'm quoting. I talked to many journalists this week about the issue, and they all expressed concern. They're all engaging in cautious self-censorship. They're not saying what they believe. They're avoiding certain issues. That's the most subtle form of censorship. You just avoid the topic altogether, and that's the beginning of the big lie. That's the sin of omission. You start by just not saying things, and then you end up saying things that you know to be untrue. Guy almost sounds like a prophet in the Bible here. What about the argument that journalists are being insensitive to other cultures? Oh, they love using that one, don't they? You're xenophobic. You're homophobic. You're Islamophobic. I get back to the article now, and I'll quote what his answer is. Since when is sensitivity, first of all, the only moral virtue? And second, lack of it grounds for pillaring and destruction of a reputation. There's lots of times when insensitivity is the appropriate response. Insensitivity is the appropriate response to willful stupidity, for example, or self-destructive behavior. There are all sorts of places where insensitivity is precisely the, the appropriate response. You can't be a critic without being insensitive. If you're a critic, you're going to hurt somebody's feelings. So what? No more criticism? That's the idea. What the hell are journalists going to do? They're going to walk around saying that everybody's wonderful all the time? You know, it's so nice to hear somebody who doesn't espouse any kind of a faith here, you know, uh, talking so much sense. And this guy has been, oh, he's been maligned. He has been attacked by the CBC, by the Toronto Star, by the Globe and Mail, by CTV. They hate this guy. First of all, because he's smarter than they are, and he is exposing the implications of the absolute idiocy that is masquerading as intelligent media nowadays. God, give us more Jordan Petersons, please. Hey, Christ said, all men are going to hate you because of me. Yeah, they crucified him because he was politically correct. Jesus got crucified for saying nice things. That's what some people's biblical view of Jesus is. And I did look up that verse in 2 Timothy. Now, remember, you're going to read again. You're going to read again um, 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 Romans 1, 18 to 32, because I bring it up almost every late night council show. Here's another one for you. This is 2 Timothy 4. Now uh, Timothy, Timothy's a cool book. Because it's the old pro, Paul, who wrote more than half of the New Testament, okay? The old pro, he's 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 older, and he's like his apprentice is Timothy. He is it, it it's it's senior sage advice to a Christian leader who is Timothy, okay? And he says to them this He says, Preach the word. This is 2 Timothy 4 starting to read at verse 3. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct. Rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. In other words, just don't yelling and ranting and raving. Make sure you know what you're saying is wise. And then verse 3. This is huge. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, To suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all your duties of your ministry. Now, when it says evangelist, please, I mean, the common understanding of evangelist is some, you know, white-suited guy that is on TV begging for money all the time. The biblical term evangelist means somebody who is able to communicate the transforming power of the gospel in the language of people who have never heard it before. Somebody who can speak the language of the culture and communicate eternal truth. That's what an evangelist is. Good stuff. Good stuff. Read it before you go to bed. Second Timothy four. Don't just take my word for it. You know, you know what the greatest thing that can happen if you're listening that late night counsel is if you're cracking open the Bible and finding out what what I'm saying is really true or not. The most successful leaders, in my opinion, uh, you know, Christ following leaders are the people that make people hungry for to get into the Bible because that's the authority. I'm not the authority. The Bible is. It is the bedrock for civilized, real civilization. I mean, the way history is being revised, the way, you know, uh, uh, true facts are being maligned and people are, are you know, g- communicating uh, warped versions of what civilization is. Oh, my goodness. Those of us who know history and know what the stories are really like, and we know what those people who, who uh, made history, what they actually said in their journals and what their priorities were. When I hear what masquerades as history nowadays, I want to almost puke. Thanks for tuning in. I'm out of time. Look at that. Man, i Two hours gone like Lightning. We're back at it next week, 9 o'clock. LateNightCouncil.com. And if you want to listen to Nick at night, and you should, he's on live here, right in this studio, Wednesday night. Have yourself a delightful week. And good night.